<laughs> good evening, everybody. It's good to be here. Did you come with expectation tonight? I have such um, good things on my heart to share with us tonight. And uh, let's pray over the word. Father, we thank you for this time of coming before you and just feeding on your word. And God, we just are expecting, we ask you for supernatural ministry tonight of your word by the Holy Spirit. Father, you can communicate one thing to one heart and another thing to another heart and break the bread of revelation and give answers and um, uh, give revelation, truth impartations, and, and things that will just cause, cause any deception to be dissipated in Jesus' name. And we bind you, devil. You give, we give you no place. And Father, we thank you again uh, for your great Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, you are the great teacher of the church. And we're so thankful for leading us and guiding us. And I thank you for our steps being ordered of the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're on a topic of calling it understanding spiritual authority. And um, I would rate this class that I took at Rama my top three. I think every class I was in the present time was my favorite class. <laughs> but this really, really... Um, this teaching again, I don't. I just don't say things like this, but it's absolutely changed, changed my life, and so I trust that it'll change yours as well. Let's look at Romans thirteen one through seven. It's really sort of our foundational scripture as we talk about understanding spiritual authority. It says, "Let every person be loyally subject to the governing civil authorities." For there's no authority except from God by his permission and his sanction, and those that exist do so by God's appointment. Therefore, he who resists and sets himself up against the authorities resists what God has appointed and arranged in divine order. Now again, uh, these positions that God, uh, of authority that God has set up are sanctioned by God. Now, now, we here in America have been given the right and privilege of voting people in office and voting people out of office. But however, no matter who gets in office, you better watch what you say concerning that authority. Uh, I, I'm not saying you, you, you can't stand for truth, but you shouldn't put your mouth against, in a negative way, people that are in authority. You just, you just shouldn't because God sanctions authority, the positions that that authority uh, has been set in. So um, President Biden is our president, right? So we pray for him and his wife and all the administrations and the legislative and judicial and the executive uh, branches and all the judges and Supreme Court judges and all, all the structures of governance both, both uh, nationally locally and also internationally. So I'm telling you what, um, I've seen people really get in strife, especially on Facebook when it comes to whatever party that you uh, believe in, and people get into such division, and then all, all of a sudden put their mouth against whoever's in authority. Watch that. Don't let your, don't let uh, family, colleagues, uh, or whoever you're hanging around with, don't let them draw you in to places like that. 
Um, I, I respect. I don't always agree with authority, but I respect authority. And they're in a place of authority, in that position that God has set up. And so, therefore, we pray for them. And again, I'm not, I'm not opposed to, um, uh, what would I say, um, standing up for what is right, but you do it in a very passive way. You, you don't set fire to a city just to get your point across. Now, again, I'm not saying one way or another. I'm just saying that's just not right. I really loved uh, Martin Luther King, the way he had his demonstrations. And I think that's a proper way to do it. And then he stood in love and, and uh, he got his point across a whole lot better than destruction. Right? So let's keep these things in mind. And we left off, I think. And those who resist that authority will bring down judgment upon themselves receiving the penalty due them. In other words, we will be held accountable for how we treated those authorities in positions above us. We will. And again, you might not have a real good one above you, but just, just do your best to do whatever you can to flow with them. And, and if you can't, if it's a job situation, you absolutely can't, don't quit your job till you get another one. And again, if you don't have a job, what's your job? Get a job. What does that mean? That's 40 hours a week. You ought to work overtime on that one. All righty. So for civil authorities, they're not a terror to people of good conduct, but to those of bad behavior. Would you have no dread of him who's in authority? There's something about uh, Gordon and, and all these different military people and 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 um, specialists in the police force and FBI and man, I'm telling you what, there's just some, there's such such a a healthy fear of God that comes upon me toward them. As a matter of fact, even on my pastor, Bishop Ash, when I worked with him day to day in the office, there's just something about going in his office. I just really didn't like it. Uh, you know, I just really didn't. Uh, not that he was mean. I, not that he was, you know, doing whatever. Um, but I just had such respect and, a, and honor for his position, not in an unhealthy way. And, uh, but he's, he's representing God, and he's teaching us. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just good to respect those that be in authority, for sure. And then you get around, I remember being with Bishop Hash, going, my wife and I going behind the scenes, and, and we're in a room with Dad, I mean, Dad Hagen. And, uh, you know, he's just there, and if he looks at you, you're just sort of like, Lord, I repented already. I know I did. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm already clean. But it's something about people that are clean, people that are good people in authority. You should have a cleansing experience uh, when you're around people like that. As Christians, we should be better off having left your presence than when we first came into your presence. Not feeling dirty, not feeling, I was listening to this leadership podcast, and oh my goodness. And this pastor gets up and says, I'm just real with my congregation. I'm just real. My congregation, no, I slam some beers, and I, I, I do this, and I do that, and I do that. And I was like, I can't listen to that anymore. I, I was just like, my jaw dropped, and oh my goodness. And he's got a mega church. I mean, a mega church. 
God help them. I'm here for constructive criticism, but boy, that one got under my almost my last nerve on that one. I was like, wow. Because leadership, whether we like it or not, are held to a higher level. In other words, when you take on leadership positions, you begin to live in a glass house. So I'm not trying to find ways I can be in the gray because, you know, maybe it's okay, maybe it's not. No, I'm just going to live in the black on that. I don't need it. I'm, 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 a, I'm an adult. I don't have to act childish and foolish and get my own way all the time and do this, do that, just because I want to. No, I know someone's eating off my tree everywhere I go. And we say that a lot, but it's so true. But, you know, for civil authorities, they're not a terror, verse 3. Uh, they're not a terror to people of good conduct, but to those of bad behavior. Would you have no dread of him who's in authority? Then do what's right. And you who will receive his approval and commendation, do what's right. For he is, what's this? What does he say about authorities, both naturally and civil authorities? For civil authorities are not a terror, excuse me, verse 4. For he is God's servant for your good. Again, you might not agree with everything that authority is doing. It's our, it, it's, it's our right and privilege to have voted whatever way our conscience and the Word of God had led us to vote. And then, you know, uh, I'm clean before God and I've sown the right seed toward, toward my future. But I'm going to pray for them because that's my president. That's my whoever, you know. And my goodness, don't, don't be even thinking about talking negative about my pastor. I mean, don't even think about it because, you know, that, that wouldn't be good for you. All right. I'm just kidding. Uh, but I might just speak up because... You know, there's some, some folks that didn't understand why my wife and I served a black pastor for 34 years now. And when someone says, what are you doing? I said, you, you don't even know what you're talking about. Don't, don't even go there. Don't talk to me about that. Because that's my spiritual father. When you're in Christ, God didn't even see skin. What do you mean? Grace has no race. God set us together, and we, I'm tell you what, wherever God has set you, you better protect that relationship. There was one minister one time tried to prophesy over my life that a big, a big root was going to be just cut off my life, and I'm like, one, Bishop Ash, Lady Joy, Pastor Miss Lynette, and the guy that prophesied over me, and he said, God's getting ready to sever you from a big vine in your life, not knowing he's prophesying against himself. Because I'm jealous for where God has set me. I, again, this is just a little bit, a little meaty, but let me tell you something, folks. You don't have a choice of where you go to church if Jesus is Lord. God sets you where you're supposed to be. And you better protect that relationship with the pastors. You ought to study the pastors' lives. They should be clean people. They should be good character people. They should be people of morality and etiquette. And, um, and so, should, so should the leadership 
it trickle all the way down. But if you do wrong, you should dread him and be afraid, for he does not bear and wear the sword for nothing. He's God's servant to execute his wrath and punishment and vengeance on the wrongdoers. Therefore, one must be subject not only to avoid God's wrath and escape punishment, but also as a matter of principle and for the sake of conscience. Let me guarantee you what's going to happen if you put your mouth against myself and again against authority, against the president, against your boss. You put your mouth against your boss, your conscience is going to smite you. I mean, if you talk negatively, should clarify that. And let me tell you something, how important is your conscience? It's the way God leads you. So until you get your conscience clear, you'll not have good, clear leading from the Holy Spirit. You know, and I find out, you know, I don't know why someone would do that, but uh, for someone to say certain negative things about my wife and I or our life, whatever, and you know, it's just like um, Moses hit the deck to pray for the people because they were speaking against leadership. And I fear God toward people that have a very casual attitude toward, toward authorities. You know, there was a day that we all respected police. I'm not saying the bad ones. There's there's bad apples anywhere you go, but the majority and the good part of our police and our, you know, armed forces, uh, uh, there's extreme edges of what is negative, but majority of people are decent. Do you remember when we respected the police? Do you remember when the church used to be the conscience of the community? Well, now the church is doing everything the community is doing, so why do I need to get saved? And the church hadn't been, has been in certain places, has been so below the bar of what God has set. Now we have gay people that are calling themselves Christians. Oh, I'm a Christian gay person. Wait a minute, those two don't go together because God said that lifestyle is not him, not of him. Well... My power went off. It's upside down. It's okay, Grasshopper. I got it. Anybody know who Grasshopper is? Who's old enough to know who Grasshopper is? One, two, three, four, five. That's that's um. We call it um. No, not Karate Kid. That's Kung Fu, yes. Yes, and you had, uh, what was his name? Yeah, he was the mentor, right? And then, uh, oh, no. He, what? It's not Karate Kid. No, it's Kung Fu. <laughs> so anyway, Grasshopper was one learning things. And, and so sorry for calling you Grasshopper, Joseph. But I'm not going to take it back now. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, 
But we have to understand now, translating these things of spiritual authority and the things we've talked about up until now, uh, you know, a desensitized conscience is a very dangerous thing to have. And the more we take heed to the word, the more we take heed to the written and the spoken word, just like this tonight, could bring us back into that place where God begins to peel off those calluses again to the point that when God even nudges you, you are one with him in spirit, and, and you, you, you can really follow God so close, you could pick up what he thinks in just about any, any matter that, it, that is facing you. Because he's here, and, he, and uh, someone asked me something the other day and just asked me, said, such and such, is this right? And, and I came out with a lion roar, no. <laughs> it wasn't like I didn't have to think about it. It was just those things we have to watch for. Number six, for this same reason you pay taxes, oh, for the civil authorities are official servants under God, devoting themselves to attending to this very service. Render to all men their dues. Pay taxes to whom taxes are due. Revenue to whom revenues due. Respect to whom respect is due. Honor to whom honor is due. And, and really the reason why we pay taxes is so we can have the police and we can have the armed forces. We can have all the things we need to maintain structure and order because without it, there's confusion and there's chaos. So God's kingdom is established on authority as well. We know that. We need to know about authority. We need to learn how to respect authority and making sure there's proper authority over them. I will not follow any authority that is not following an authority. Mm-mm. You know, ever since this ministry is in, has been in existence, we've had a lot of people that want to come here and minister. <laughs> and uh, uh, we, they get so bold. I just say, listen, if I'm led to have you, I will. I'll let you know. I sounded mean, but they're like, the Lord placed you on my heart, and I believe God wants me to come there. I said, you know what? I didn't hear that. I, you know, the Lord has 15 people, and you're one of those special churches. I said, well, I tell you what, let me pray about it. And if I hear anything, I'll call you. You forfeit yourself from any type of speaking something in this pulpit if you don't have a pastor over your life. Really, anybody who we trust to speak on behalf of Harvest Church, we are a family. And, you know, uh, those people we send up here, they, they, um, they better not look at me cross-eyed or something, you know, like uh, don't agree with me on something. Talk to me, yeah. But what I'm saying is, uh, you know, when we set someone up, we say, you know what, that's a good example for you to follow. That's why we have certain standards for our leadership. Oh, but that's the law. No, that's just living clean. And that's, that's, hey, what about this scripture? How do, how do you like this scripture to judge your life by? 
avoid the appearance of evil. Um, that's why you, you don't ride in, in a car with the opposite sex of someone that's not in your family. What are you doing? Or meet with someone. Or, or you know, sometimes on the job you have to do certain things, but tell you what, build accountability in there. We've got good scripture, right? What is authority? The power right to do something. Particularly give, give direction, give orders, and see them follow through. Acts 20, 28 says, take care and be on guard for yourselves and the whole flock over whom who? You know, that's why I don't put my mouth against pastors, even if they're going in a different way, whatever, whatever. I just sort of keep my, my uh, you know, my directions clear because there are some people that decide to pastor, but the Holy Ghost didn't assign them to pastor. And so, therefore, they don't have an anointing to even have a church. And, and those types of groups will be very hurtful because God, God doesn't want his kids hurt. And so, even when people are, are negatively led different places, it, it, uh, sooner or later, something bad's going to happen. And that's why our heart is always to pray for the body of Christ, too, that if they're not in a good place, you know, uh, Father, lead them to a good place that has, has a sanctioned pastor by the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's like, you know, where's Hannah? Oh, she went to the youth. There's a, a guest speaker there tonight. And, uh, but Hannah is placed in that position of authority. Not only did she work 28 years to get there, <laughs> but... Um, She's anointed for that assignment. Now, for her to step into another area uh, that she's not called to, not uh, y'all say, oh, man, i got to find out my specific area. No, just volunteer. <laughs> and, and you know what? The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. The steps. One step after another. Don't be asking two steps before the one step. If you're seeking the third, the second step, God's saying, I'm not talking to you until you get that first step done. One step leads to the next. And guess what? That next step could be the last step you're supposed to perfect for the rest of your life. God called my wife and I to do certain things, but we took it a step at a time. We never had ambition to be an authority over anyone. No, we're just happy to serve and let Bishop Pash be the guy that made all the decisions. Because, <laughs> um, you know, uh, if you're complaining about a leader that, that is um, above you, you don't, know, you don't know what it's like to be in their shoes. You don't know the decisions you have to make. You don't know the people that have uh, betrayed them. You don't know people that whatever, whatever. I'm not singing a sad song because it's by the grace of God that I am what, that, you know, what I am. Um, you know, getting back to this particular leadership lesson, I was, <laughs> you know, I don't mind spitting out some sticks as long as I'm eating a whole lot of hay. 
But boy, I was getting I was getting splinters the other night, man. I was like all kinds of sticks. You gotta turn that off. Hurt me here and hurt me there and hurt me there. And um, oh, I was making a point. Yeah, and he was talking about being in ministry and how difficult it is and how terrible sometimes it is. And man, it's just so overly, overly hard. I mean, I'm getting depressed listening to this guy. I'm saying, wait a minute, what about the grace of God that has called you into that position that God anoints you to do hard sometimes? God anoints you to do difficult. God anoints you and graces you and strengthens you, whatever you've been called to. You have specialized ministry. That's where you flourish, Gordon. We all have different areas of the ministry. It's not like one above another. Um, we're on the same level as, as, as far as Christians go, but that, did you know that God does have structure and authority in different levels in the, in the church to keep things decently in order? And then even when it comes to the different offices that, that people would walk in if they're called uh, to be in the fivefold ministry gifts, do you know there's ranks within the pastoral office? Not everyone's supposed to, to, to have a big church. They're supposed to be in a community out in a rural, rural area. And percentage-wise, they're probably running more than we are. But then there's different levels where God sets some over, you know, this particular church or that, that, that particular size of church or that because he's, he's distributed uh, gifts and they've been properly stewarded. And, and then God will sometimes then have uh, pastors uh, oversee pastors or leaders or ministers. And then they'll, they'll just be, you know, um, no matter how many years that I follow Bishop Pash, he's above me. He's beyond me. He's got so much more life experience than I do. Same with the other leadership I have over my life. Well, anyway, where'd we stop on the scripture? Do you remember? Hmm? Okay. So we're talking about, is this where we... Um, uh, went on a little journey, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Who appointed you? Holy Spirit, yeah. Um, and the good thing about when the Holy Spirit appoints you, he anoints you, and, and you can tell the difference between someone who's anointed and someone who's not. Or someone maybe that is just serving, and they have a particular grace to do it life Temporarily, you know, God will give temporary assignments till someone else will, uh, someone else who's supposed to be in that position is developed. I tell you this though, when some people that are very gifted don't develop their gifts, God sometimes gives them to those who are developing their one gift. Is this making sense tonight? <laughs> All right. So the Holy Spirit has appointed you bishops and guardians. That word bishops can be interpreted pastors or shepherds. Why? To tend, to feed, and to guide the church, which is a family. Of the Lord or of God, which he obtained for himself, buying it and saving it for himself with his own blood. 
Again, I just want to tell you something. I never had, I never knew what my ultimate assignment was. I didn't really care. I was just serving in the capacity. You know, when it came to Bishop Hash, I didn't have to be led to be served. I said, Bishop, just throw me wherever you want. (laughs) Study me, study my life. When when my wife and I were out at Ramah, a long story made really short, but I actually met Bishop Hash and Lady Joy before I went to Ramah, the summer, right before I went to Ramah, which is 1988. And it it was the same time he was being sanctioned as pastor over St. Peter's, but he had had, um, a special meeting with uh, Brother Copeland was there, Fred Price was there, you know, just those types of meetings that we used to have. And um, so... The Lord led us to Ramah. There's a line of thinking. I just was like getting so into it now. What was I saying? Yeah. That's good, Joseph. Grasshopper, help me out. <laughs> oh, I didn't decide that I was going to pastor. I discovered it through the process of time. It was neat because I did see Bishop Hash being assigned as pastor uh, even before I went to Ramah. And God made a, an initial connection there when I was getting ready to go to Ramah. We were having a just sort of a, a re- revival where we were getting a lot of people. I was just sort of ministering to people in a Bible study. I had it at home. We were getting people filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and so, uh, and, and just, you know, just, it, it, was, it was a group of people that were uh, growing and multiplying. But, but I knew I had to go get trained somewhere. I mean, because it was like young adults for us. Imagine, imagine you before Rama and you had 60-plus young adults on your hands. <laughs> well, that's, that's uh, not good. So we, um, my sister came to us and said, well, when you leave, where, where do we need to go to church? I said, you find that, that church that put off those meetings with... Um, uh, you know, Brother Copeland and Brother Price, and you go to that church, and that's Bishop Hash's church. So that's how we made that connection there. Then we were sent in, uh, to, to Ramah, not, not for any other reason that I just knew I was supposed to go. You know, it was just God's, God's journey for me. The next step in my life went out to Ramah. And each step led to a next. Let me tell you something. Please hear me right now. Everything you desire and everything you need is on your path in that step. So I went there. And do you know, I was believing God for for some years before for a good spouse but it didn't happen until I took my next step when I was in the right place. Now, my wife was back in Greensboro or Stokesdale. Where would you be at that time? Stokesdale? That's right, Stokesdale. Anybody ever been to Stokesdale? Uh, two and a half. Two and a half of you. <laughs> anyway, it's, a, it's sort of a country place. And um, she was there in Stokesdale when I was my first year 
in ministry. But I was following God. I, I was following his word as my authority. I was following, uh, I was following, you know, the leading of the Holy Spirit. And I was at a place where I finally had a covering over my life. I didn't know what it was to have, go to church consistently. I didn't know what it was like to have a pastor over my life. As a matter of fact, we're not going to get anywhere where I thought we were going to get tonight. But let me just read this scripture even before it was in my first year. I was in a class, and this, this scripture ate me alive. In 1 Thessalonians 5, 12, and 13, it says, Now also we beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you in the Lord. Recognize them for what they are. Acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all. And recognize who labor amongst you and recognize your leaders who are over you in the Lord. And, and my instructor said, I'm going to ask you one question and you should have an instant answer. It was the beginning of the year. He said, right now, think about who's over you in the Lord. I don't have to guess. But in that moment, I was like, it hit me so hard that from that point on, God led me to be under the Hagans, and then God set me and sent us to go be with the hashes because we needed pastors. We needed mentored. We needed to study people that were just clean people. We needed to be around people that even when they weren't up in that pulpit, they were enjoyable to be outside of the pulpit. I've seen some mean people. You know, when some people get leadership on the head and they all of a sudden start saying, you need to serve me. That was weak. I don't, I don't, I don't, that's not the DNA of this house. We're servant leaders. We're family. So I had to learn who was over me in the Lord and instantly I knew who, who right then. When I was out at Ramah, I'd go to Ramah Church and Pastor Hagen, Miss Lynette, they were to pastor us. Well, it wasn't enough at that time. There'd have been no us if there wasn't us and my pastors and the next step God had in my life. I had to get away from my family. I love my family. Thought I was going to be an entrepreneur and be in business, uh, ownership and so forth and so on. And that, listen, I, um, I had a lot of things. I mean, I had a state-of-the-art ski boat. I mean, it was sweet. I had a new car. Money in the bank was increasing. But I was miserable. None of that meant anything to me because God was leading me in a different direction. Thank God. That as God gave me the next step, he helped me sell everything. And, and once I followed his direction 
to move forward because I was following authority in my life. Now I have a pastor in my life. God helped me get to where I was supposed to be. Then all of a sudden I get a phone call of a lady back here in, in uh, Greensboro that says, hey, I'd like, I'd like, when you come home for Christmas this year, I'd like, I'd like to introduce you to someone. And I'm like, wait a minute, I'm out here at Ramah. Now you're calling me to come back home and meet and so on? But she said, I'd like, I'd like you to miss, I mean, I'd like you to uh, meet Misty. Misty. Now the good thing about Misty was I, I remembered who she was and she was pretty. <laughs> Thank God. You'd never go on a blind date. <laughs> Don't go on a blind date. Anyway, so one step led to another. Because I was following God's plan for my life, I was right where I was supposed to be. I, I turned aside the business, and I walked away from the business. People say, oh, man, you walked away from so much. Listen, when I went to the next step of God in my life, it was so liberating. I mean, that was what they were supposed to do. My dad and my brother came up and ganged up on me and said, son, what are you doing? You need to be in this business like we are. I said, well, I can't be. I've got to go in a different direction. I've got to follow God's plan for my life. You follow God's plan for your life. Don't copy me. You follow God. It's my job, my wife, it's this church's job to help you fulfill your purpose. And there's grace and there's anointings. There's different, different assignments you're supposed to fulfill. And then when we all in the church give a supply of what we're all called to do. You know what that does? That brings increase to the church and the body of Christ. Instead of seeing that position over this position, and I'm going I'm to get that position. I'm just, no. Just, just take the next step. And here, here's, here's something I really want to drill in tonight too before we leave. I think I might have mentioned a little bit earlier. If you're not, if you are seeking direction for another step and you're not getting any, it's because God says you're not done with the current one. A lot of times he's, listen, God's going silent on you. God's going to go silent on you until you fulfill and maximize that time. God, God says, uh, oh gosh, how do I repeat that? Um, what does that Hagen teach us? You know, when God, in other words, when God's not speaking, what is the last thing he said? And be true to that. Have I fulfilled that? Have I, have I fulfilled the, the, the length and breadth of that? So if you find God going silent on you, don't rush the next step. You can't skip a season. Jesus is Lord. The Holy Spirit's going to lead you into the length and breadth and depth and height of everything God has for you. My wife and I will never hold anybody back for whatever the assignment is upon their life. You know, there's some people that have come to us before and we said, listen, we're your pastors. We want you to, if that's what God's telling you, we would never, ever hold you back. As a matter of fact, you know, it would, it would just hurt our heart for someone not to do something they were supposed to do just because, you know, they didn't want to change positions or something. 
spiritual authority, natural authority. These are, this is a significant, very significant topic that I'm telling you, it's, it's top three in my life. Now also we beseech you, brethren, get to know those who labor among you, recognize them for what they are, acknowledge and appreciate and respect them all, and also know your leaders who are over you in the Lord, and those who warn you, kindly reprove you, and exhort you, hold them in very high and most affectionate esteem, in intelligent and sympathetic appreciation of, of their work, and says this, and be at peace among yourself. When you have good structure, good authority, and, and God's sanction, there will be peace. Now, the enemy try to, will try to come in and stir things up at times, but this ministry is not mine. Well, I'm a steward of it, but it's God's ultimately. Let me tell you something. When, when people try to bring division, I pray for them. And if I have to, I address it. Because, I don't, you know, that doesn't set well with God. Sometimes you hear a message like this, and all of a sudden it causes you to say, you know what, I better go apologize to someone. I better go and get it right with, with a leader in my life. I better whatever, whatever God's saying to you. And finally today, I'll just leave with this. We expect people to respect us and be good with us, but also respect you and be good with you. I've seen people good with us and bad with other people. Mm -mm. If you've got a servant's heart, you'll walk slow through the crowd. You'll look for some people that might be, uh, might be down. You'll be looking for other new people. Because we're harvesting. Man, I wish I could pick anybody out in this sanctuary tonight and tell me your recent testimony who you invited to church. How are you doing on that? Thank you. I saw this thumbs up. Well, my wife and I do this just like you do. And we were having surgeries and all that kind of stuff. And I always do a lot of inreach every week. But wherever I am, I'm ready. So just a few days ago, I, I invited my handyman to come to church, and he, he was a little tough one. He was from New York, where Gail's from. You're good, Gail. And uh, he backed me off a bit, but he also, you know, I'm also, um, I was led to say a few things, and it, it was really good. And he definitely has harvest on his mind. And it's God's job to draw them in. All right, well, stand up, please. <clears throat> you know, when I was in Bible school, and um, Michael, you might have had this happen to you in Cana. And any of you have gone to Bible school, Bible college, 
I remember even, even going through my first year is some students, they come at you. So what are you? What are you? What are you supposed to do for your life? I didn't know. What do you do? I think I know I'm going to be an apostle. Apostle to the nations. And that's what they would say. And I'm like, I'm not even sure which class I'm going to take next year. I just follow peace. I just love people. Just going to serve people. Just going to meet needs. My pastor asked me to do something. We do it. And um, we did it even to the point that my wife and I sang on Bishop Pasha's praise team. St. Peter's World Outreach Center. And people look on and say, what are those two white kids up there doing? We are trying. And uh, do you want to give your side of the story, babe? No. <laughs> I said, Bishop, when we first went there, I said, I know God, is, I mean, we knew that it was divine connection. I said, listen, use our color wherever you want us to be. Because it was his vision to have a multicultural church. And so he would place us in different positions. I would MC services. I would, you know, he sent me to minister to different places. And main thing, I was there to minister to him and take as much off his plate as possible. Lift his arms. I wanted him to travel. I'd stay at home just take care of things. There are certain places I didn't go for a long time until God changed our next step to make sure that he and Lady Joy were taken care of and were resting. And because now having been senior pastor for going on 24 years, we were eight years with them, three years in Bible college. Okay, 24 plus eight plus three. So my wife and I have been in the ministry 35 years. I was out at Rame for three years. Um, I don't know. I guess I'm done, aren't I? But 24 years later was I was going to say is I have so much more greater respect and understanding even when I was serving Bishop Pass as, as an assistant pastor because Paul talked about all the things that he went through in his ministry and he said besides these the burden of overseeing all the churches now again I know we cast all of our cares upon the Lord one of my friends who's a, um, who's a regional director up there in Pennsylvania area, he recently, well, I guess it's been a year or two now, he recently um, transitioned from pastoring, and now he's traveling. And now when we go to meetings, he shows up and said, how you guys doing? I'm free. I had no pressure on me. No weight of the ministry, not the weight of this house, not the weight of this church, weight of people. Now, he didn't say it that way. But um, <laughs> takes one to know one. And so don't covet someone else's position when God's got something for you. Because you'll have the grace. You'll have the anointing. You'll have the Holy Spirit to help you 
in good times, challenging times, whatever times. All right, Father, thank you. I did my best to speak on your behalf tonight, and I just plead the blood of Jesus over everything that's been said. And God, I thank you for helping us all to leave this place with, with strong takeaways of maybe some adjustments we need to make, or maybe clarity, or maybe uh, whatever it was. I asked you to speak to us individually, and I know you did. So Father, I thank you for helping us to follow through on what you spoke to our hearts tonight or confirmed, hey, you're just doing the right thing. Do exactly what you're doing. We thank you, Father. It's all about the heart. It's all about helping people. And it's all about giving you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.